Confusing. If prophecy, let us prophesy. In proportion to our faith or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows more mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And that comes from our Old Testament readings. Deuteronomy 32, 35. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If you listen carefully to what's written there, it basically covers the whole of a Christian's life. Every day, every moment, every possibility of anything is all there, just in that one chapter. Have our lives been transformed? From the day you came to the Lord, before you were a Christian, before I was a Christian. The life I now live, is it different from what it was back then? Do my friends look at me and say, hmm, says he's a Christian, but that's not our life, if that's the case, our life has not been transformed by the renewing of our minds. The whole mindset has to change. When we come out of the world and into the Christian life, our whole mindset has to change. And if it doesn't, what's your conscience doing to you? Telling you? Hey, come on. Shape up. And all these things, the ministries, the way we're to live, patience, bless those who persecute you. Now, I know Christians personally, particularly a particular lady. She's been serving the Lord, I believe, for a long time. But she cannot forgive. Some people have done some terrible things to her and she openly cannot forgive them. Scripture tells us, vengeance, the Bible says here, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No matter what happens to us, we have to accept it as from the Lord. <coughs> First Timothy 
Oh, whoops. It's all right. This is a bit much of an angle for what I've got set up here. <laughs> Just bear with me, please. First Timothy chapter 4. Verses... Now the Spirit expressly says that in other times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Wait a minute, I've got the wrong verse here. Oh yes, no, I'm right. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now those who know anything about medical things know what searing, cauterising a a vein, that is, with heat, cuts it off, kills it. Are our consciences seared with a hot iron? Are our consciences such that we cannot accept the word of God? And then, in 2 Timothy, chapter 3, We have here some very specifics on what we're to avoid, what we're not to do. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, you know, every Wednesday at my place, I get two boys from Teen Challenge, two of the new boys from Teen Challenge who haven't been in the place and don't really know much about what even some of them have never heard of Christianity or the Lord or anything. But one day we were, I, I bring them in, we have morning tea and I sit and we talk. Ask, I get them to ask questions. And one was talking about the world around us. No Christian background at all and how terrible things are out there in the world. <clears throat> so I went and got my Bible and I started reading this to him. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, but having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people, turn away. I read that to him. He said, where'd you get that from? I said, here, it's in the Bible, and I put it in front of him. I said, there, there. I said, that was written thousands of years ago. And what do we see out there in the world today? He said, everything you've talked about there is, is out there. He said, I know. I've been in it. His conscience was starting to say things to him. Yes, and it goes on down in verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Not may or could or possibly will suffer persecution. If our lives are being lived according to the way that the Lord wants them to be lived according to his word here. We will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Who have we learned them from? The creator of heaven and earth, the God of this world, the, the, the person who's in control. I'm going to come to that in a little while. Then, on the other hand, we've got in uh, the epistle of John, 1 John, One John chapter two, verses. Where am I? Fifteen to seventeen. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice. Restrain the madness of the prophet. God can do wonderful things when he wants to. Really does. He rebuked a man by donkey speaking. I've never heard that, but we're told not to love the world. But then we've got the things to meditate on. We read there about the things not to have anything to do with. Did you notice in there there is one particular phrase, lovers of pleasure. I see in the world around me today that as being one of the major pitfalls for Christians. How many hours do we spend slumped in a chair, sitting in front of the television, watching a film that's got gratuitous sex or violence? That's not what we as Christians ought to be doing. That's not Christian behaviour. And that, that's something that I grieve about. Um, Philippians 4. Philippians 4. You know, up in the Chimbu district in Papua New Guinea, where I go, there's an old lady... She has the name Philippians 4.4. That's her name. What does it say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now that lady, that real old lady, she died. And the people were preparing her for burial. All of a sudden, as they were preparing her for burial, she sat up. And she said, what are you doing? Oh, you died and we're preparing you for burial. Well, she said, I got to the gate of heaven. And everybody was going in. <clears throat> Came my turn to go in. And the Lord himself said to me, no, Philippians 4.4, your time is not ready to come in yet. I want you to go back and tell your people to repent because I'm coming soon. This was about two years ago. Since then, that lady has led an incredible number of people to the Lord. We can sort of think maybe, is that right or real? I believe it is. The Lord works wonders in the mind of a person 
who is subject to him and allows him to control what they do and say and think. Okay, Philippians 4. Verses 4 to 9. Paul says here, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then, down a little bit further, the next section. Finally, brethren, this is against what we read about the things to avoid. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. All these things, the things which you heard, which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Contrast to the things that are evil out there in the world, that this young man said, hey, you've just told me everything that I know that's out there. And here we have the opposite, the things that we're to think about. Now, I have some very interesting experiences in Papua New Guinea, as some of you have heard and some of you know. Um, I've just received an email from a friend of mine who keeps me informed on a lot of things that are happening. I'm in touch with leaders of various churches. I'm going to read this to you. A man, he'd be in his middle age, he was a former president of the Christian Brethren Church's National Youth in Papua New Guinea. Now it's called CBC, Christian Brethren Church's PNG. This is what he wrote. Just, just himself, he didn't get it from me or any other expatriate missionary from studying the word of God. Last night I was comp- contemplating on issues that affect PNG, especially social issues such as drug and alcohol, including homebrew, racism, sex workers, and now talk on legalising prostitution, same-sex marriages, etc. These are real issues affecting our society today. The burden in me last night was family. I believe that if families function in accordance to the word of God, we will save our nation. This raises a question. Is CBC PNG... Addressing family issues, husband-wife relationship, father-mother-child relationship with the word of God? Are we really teaching the message about family in our churches nationwide? A godly nation is a product of a godly family. Most of the social issues are the result of broken homes, absence of fathers, divorce, lack of income. I see that CBC PNG needs to address these pressing social issues and it starts by addressing issues within family settings. In CBC PNG we have women's conventions. This is a very telling one. 
in CBC, PNG, we have women's conventions and I have attended some of them. And this is his summation of it. I hardly hear teaching about how to be a good wife and mother, raising children. Instead, we are talking about all these spiritual movements. Rise up messages. That's this, some of this um, new ideas and things that are being promulgated here and there. That's what he means by rise up messages. Or potential, bloom, etc. We also lack father's seminars to help fathers understand their roles and responsibilities in the family, the village, the church, etc. We are familiar with traditional roles handed down by our forefathers, but in this fast-changing world, I see that fathers too are lost and don't know their position in God. I strongly believe that if CBC, PNG can effectively address issues in family, we will see change. That's just from an ordinary man admittedly has a, an education but he himself has seen this as a pitfall as a problem in the church it's, it's tearing his conscience apart there's a whole lot more here from him how do we behave in our society here I know from the work that Marjorie and I have done with in Teen Challenge. Um, every young person who's gone into the drug scene has a relationship problem with their father. Every one, and that covers roughly 450 names that we have, that we've worked with over a period of 15 years. Fathers, you go through the New Testament. You'll see nothing there warning mothers how to treat their children. But there's heaps there about fathers. Heaps there. We need to get our minds set on the word of God so that the conscience that we have is a conscience that's a conscience according to God's will and God's word. It's something that bore down on Marjorie and I for years and we couldn't get anybody to even look at it. The Seventh-day Adventists, God bless them, brought a group of people from overseas some years ago here, including a lady from the University of California, Los Angeles, University of Los Angeles, California, a lady by the name of Kitty Fryer, she was a professor in child management, Seventh-day Adventist, of course. We attended her conference, her lectures. Halfway through, at lunchtime, I went to her and I told her what we had found. The problem with our young people in drugs was they're all very creative in some way. They have a low self-esteem and they don't relate to their fathers. Those three things in every single one of the 450. Every one of them. And she sat there and she looked at me. She said, where'd you get that from? And I told her what we'd been doing. She said, you are dead right. 
So she gave me a copy of her whole presentation, which I have. And she said, the father situation is perhaps one of the most critical in this whole thing. Fathers, we have an awesome responsibility. I don't mind telling you about my son, you know, Mick, the son. The reason we got involved with Teen Challenge was because he went into the drug scene. Started when he was 11 down on the Gold Coast in 1983. He became one of the worst drug users and dealers you'd ever come across. He was involved with the drug scene here in Toowoomba for many years, involved with senior police officers, aiding and abetting what he was doing. Um, he went there partly because I didn't know how to relate to him. And there was no way in the world I could do anything to help him until he wanted help. And he was 24 when he came home looking for help. It's a, it's a massive problem. And I believe that our the more we get into the word of God and the more we study it and relate it to ourselves, each of us individually, the more in tune we are with the word of God, with God's requirement in our lives. Now, I'm going to talk about a couple of specifics here. Now, I hope I don't upset anybody. But I'm going to talk about something that's been very to the fore in my mind for many, many years. Words and oaths. Taking oaths. Do you realise that when you say uh, something, you're going to say something and you say, well, by gee, that was good. You know what you're doing? You're taking an oath. The G, if you go back to the Oxford Dictionary on Etymological Basis, that word G is the word Jesus. Made to sound good. Matthew 5, 33 to 37. The Lord himself and the Sermon on the Mount. Again you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make your hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatsoever is more than these is from the evil one. That's repeated again in James 5.12. James repeats it. So, these words, G, G's, both are just short for Jesus. You're saying, by Jesus this happened, or by Jesus that happened. It's not what the word of God says you should be saying. Golly, shortage, short for God. Gosh, God, by gum. I know a Christian friend who speaks everything he says. By gum this, by gum that. By God, by God, by God. Crikey, Christ. Crumbs, Christ. 
and lots more. I only say this, you to go and read your Bible and think about it yourself and see what your conscience tells you because that's what my conscience has told me years ago. I'm thankful to God that he did. Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Leave the name of God out of it. And then we have vengeance. We read there in um, Romans 12, vengeance, the Lord says. The Lord himself, again, Christ himself, when he gives the Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter 6 at the Sermon on the Mount, what does he say? At the end of it, He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's an awesome statement. Do any of us hold anything against anybody? A grudge against somebody? Again, I know a Christian lady who has some terrible, terrible things she holds against people. I question the sincerity of her Christianity, quite bluntly. This is God's word. I'm only reading to you God's word. Let's each look at it for ourselves and obey it. Another thing is sex. I know it's not preached about much from pulpits anywhere in the world. But I'm going to say it. Sex outside of marriage is sin. Young people I see in churches today, you know, shack up together. That is sin. You're living in sin. Scripture's plain. All through the New Testament, Paul is talking about it. First Corinthians, I'll read a little bit there. 1 Corinthians 6. Paul's talking about glorifying God in the body and spirit. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So I then take the members of so then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? Once you've had sex somebody, you're with somebody, you're one body with that person in God's sight. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. That's God's order. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does outside the body is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And then, the real telling verses. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They're tough words. 
But they're in the Bible. They're God's word. Therefore, I said to you at the start, some of what I say is going to be people who may feel it a bit tough. But it's God's word. And there's no way in the world we can ignore it, push it aside. It's there staring us in the face. And I believe this is one of the problems in the Christian church today. There is no purity. There is no holiness. There is no acknowledging the fact that God is the creator of this earth. He's the creator of you. He's the creator of me. He's the creator of everything we see around us. Without him, none of it would be. Then there's another, another point that uh, this treads on some people's toes, but um, I'm going to go into it as well because I'm talking about conscience, aren't I? Politics. The Bible has a lot to say about politics. You realise that? A lot to say about politics. About government, its leaders. I have a friend over in Western Australia who a couple of years ago started sending me some vitriolic, he's a Christian man who's brought up in a Christian family, his family's Christian, started sending me some vile, vitriolic, awful, terrible emails about a certain politician. I put up with it for a week or two. He was sending them to me every week. So I extracted these texts, sent this to him, and I said, after you've read those, if you like, I'll discuss this with you, but please don't send me any more of that filth that you've been sending me. I'm going to read these texts to you. In Daniel chapter 4, when Nebuchadnezzar had had his dream, he didn't know what it was. Daniel went and interpreted it. But Daniel 4.17, Nebuchadnezzar said, In order, this is the reason why I had the dream, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. Think about some of the people that have been dictators. Mao Zedong. Hitler, Stalin, God put them there. God put them there. And then that was Nebuchadnezzar speaking. Then in Daniel 4.25, Daniel's speaking. The most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And then the voice from heaven speaking, Daniel 4.32. The most high rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Don't get too upset with what's just perhaps some of you don't agree with what's happened in the United States lately. God's got a hand in that, whether you like to believe it or not. And whatever happens there, he is allowing to happen. Then, Revelation 1.5, as John introduces the book of Revelation, and from Jesus Christ, this is where this revelation came from, the ruler over the kings of the earth. Colossians 2.10 And ye are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. 
Titus 3, 1 to 2. Remind them, Paul says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. And it goes on, Romans 13, 1 and 2. This is a telling one. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Now I take that to mean um, every governing authority, even the board of control in a church, a sporting club. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. No authority except from God. None anywhere in the world. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves as a consequence. I leave you to work that out, but that's what scripture says. It's plain, it's clear, it's simple. 1 Peter 2.13 Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether to the king as supreme or to governors. Strong words. Tough. First Timothy 14 and 15. Keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and holy potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords. And lastly... 2 Peter 2, 10 to 11. Peter was talking about some of the people there and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. He equates those who despise authority as walking in the lust of uncleanness. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries Whereas angels, who are greater in power and might, do not bring a, a, railing, a railing accusation against them before the Lord. It's uh, something that we need to think about. I want you to go home and get your Bible and study and read and listen. And couple of other little things before I close. Prayer. Something that has bothered me for many, many years. When I pray, is what I'm praying about something that's in the Lord's will or something that I think might benefit me for some reason or other. Easy to do that. It's easy to think, oh, you know, this, this, this looks good, this would be good, good for me, but uh, also, and you can always justify it one way or another as, as, to, as to why you should be praying for it. Um, we often say, oh, God hasn't answered my prayers. In James 4, 1 to 6, I think I've got the right reference there. Yeah. Verse 3. 
You ask about prayer. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. How often is the prayer we pray asking the Lord for something for ourselves, for our friends or for whatever, got that uh, background to it? Is it something that is totally, completely and utterly to bring honour and glory to the name of the Lord or to benefit me? I've had to look at myself over the years about this. <laughs> Marjorie and I worked for ten, uh, nine years working and praying and doing what we could to get the Teen Challenge program established here in Toowoomba. It was nine hard years of slog, I can assure you. Prayer and prayer and prayer. And sometimes this thought came to me. Am I doing this because of my son in drugs and I want somewhere for him to go? Finally, in the end, he didn't go to Teen Challenge Queensland. He went to Teen Challenge New South Wales, which had been in my uncle, Charles Entignap, had established that 30, 40 years before, not knowing that my son would end up benefiting from it. The Lord does wonderful things. He is in charge. He is in control. Um, look, we have an unchanging God. He, he doesn't change for you or for me or for anybody. Before the world began, right through to today and then forever, he'll never change. He's the same God. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Is the God of us today. And in closing, just finally, this whole thing of holiness. I know a lot of people don't like to use the word. I, in my background, I was brought up right from birth. My father was a pastor in the Assemblies of God Church. And some of the cranks and crackpots that were in there were unbelievable. These, some of these holiness movements, which were... Oh, I won't say anything. Uh, I'm going to read some scripture to you about what the Bible says about holiness. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Since you became a Christian, has your life changed? Or are you still living the way you were? An unholy life. Think about it. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Again, we've got this renewal. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And then, Zechariah, when he was prophesying, 
when the, he was in the temple when the Lord was there. Luke 1, 74 and 75. He said, To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Amen.